0: Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Kristen Stoneking, the senior pastor here. And I'm Brian Adkins, associate pastor. Our mission here is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message.
1: My name is Judith Allen, and the scripture today is Galatians 1, 1 through 9. And you can find it in your pew Bible on page 187 if you'd like to read along. Paul, an apostle, sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all members of God's family who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory ever after and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are confusing you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should proclaim to you a gospel contrary to what we proclaim to you, let that one be accursed. As we have said before, So now I repeat, if anyone proclaims to you a gospel contrary to what you received, let that one be accursed.
0: to know how many of you know our denominational mission statement if you know it say it with me (laughs) to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world okay not too many It was first adopted by the General Conference in the year 2000, but at that time it was shorter. It stated simply um, to make disciples for Jesus Christ. And over the next eight years, a kind of uh, pushback, or some would say a backlash ensued, and the outcry changed the mission statement, um, charging that it was too simplistic, that making, the making of disciples couldn't be an end in itself. So in 2008, the the second part for the transformation of the world was added. Well, I have to confess to you this morning that I've never been a big fan of our denominational mission statement. I can work with it. But it requires me to do several mental translations and work backwards from where I live in ministry and faith to get to this statement. Taken at face value, it smacks to me of exclusivism, triumphalism, and colonialism. It was changed to its current and final form the same year our campus ministry in Davis opened the multi-faith living community after nine years of development and organizing work. In advocating for the the building um, and the opening of that community and its passage through the city council and and garnering support on campus, I labored very carefully to translate the Christian message into terms that didn't trigger my campus colleagues or those in the progressive college town that we were in, and to communicate that we shared hopes for the world with our Muslim and Buddhist and Jewish and Sikh siblings The United Methodist mission statement was at that particular time for what we were trying to do in faithful ministry in Davis an unhelpful addition. The hope, of course, with this statement was to get us away from practices that had veered too far from the core purpose of our tradition, to get away from those activities that scholar Elaine Heath says are called tradition, but refer primarily to the habitual in our own contexts. Traditions of sorts, but with a small t. But I'm not sure that the mission statement has helped us engage with others in the 21st century, nor do I believe it expresses what is essential and life-giving in Christian faith, for us in a way that might compel others to join us in fact i think it triggers people who think of christians as dominating and rigid some of you may embrace the denominational mission statement and it may work for you and express precisely what it is you believe we are called to do together so that's great I celebrate that it is working for you because it's not so much the ideas contained in the mission statement that I, I find problematic, but the way that they're stated. And it seems to me that we run into language landmines more and more these days. This is why the phrase trigger warning was invented to say to those who might be sensitive to a particular word or phrase or description to watch out and maybe avoid the person or the writing uh, altogether. And I believe it's created a level of anxiety when we talk to each other that I believe has rendered some folks who just don't uh, possess a particular vocabulary to silence. And in some cases, even in spaces of discourse where we're trying to figure out the most faithful way to proceed together, there are times when we've taken things we need to talk about off the table for fear of saying the wrong thing. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I do think that we need to use language consciously. And I do think that we need to engage in education about how our language can harm, how it can perpetuate stereotypes, and how it can further misunderstandings. We need to be intentional, empathetic, and careful in our conversations. But we also need to be able to have difficult discourse, to talk about things that are hard in order to go deeper with each other and to deal with complexity. I believe we need to hold our beliefs passionately, knowing what in our practices and traditions is life-giving for us, but not hold these beliefs and practices and traditions rigidly so that someone else's life-giving language and practice and tradition can also be honored. One of the most thoughtful and ethical persons speaking today, in my opinion, is Bay Area writer and activist, Rebecca Solnit. And when someone suggested that she proceed her statements and her writings and her posts with trigger warnings, she responded simply, consider me a walking trigger warning. (laughs) Some might call the Apostle Paul a walking trigger warning. In his letters to the new churches of Asia Minor, all of his letters, he takes on faith and truth and repentance and inclusion, and he takes on subjects that uh, at that time were taboo to talk about, such as sexuality and the role of women Some of what he said 2,000 years ago we reject now, but there is scholarship that shows us that even what we reject now represented a radical inclusion in his time. In Paul's letter to the Church of Galatia, we see a Paul who has been transformed through an incredible conversion. Paul, a former persecutor of the Church, A violent legalist has been opened to the beauty and truth of a God who exists far beyond what is considered right and what is considered wrong and who is in and who is out. Paul's method in establishing churches was to invite new people into the same kind of conversion that he had experienced. His was a transformative spiritual awakening, made possible by the amazing presence of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, and an openness to a world that lay beyond the legalism, perfectionism, and rightness of his own Jewish tradition. Paul, a former enemy of Christians, had the incredible freeing experience of realizing that the God he loved as scholar Elaine Heath says, was much bigger than he knew. God has never been bound by our theology or our traditions. But as we catch up with Paul in our scripture for today, the old legalisms have crept back in. And Paul has gotten word of an anxious church determined to be right and determined to figure out who is in and who is out. What had started out as openness in the church of Galatia as a radical uh, acceptance and inclusion has dissipated in Paul's absence. And you can imagine how this church began hearing this message of radical love, of compassion, of regard for everyone, preached by Paul, there was surely a sense of freedom and possibility. And as they formed the church, the Galatians heard in Paul's message from Christ an honoring of the power of the Holy Spirit as transcendent over the laws that bound people. What joy must have been present in the living out of this message? But in a matter of months, anxiety has taken hold. You see, true freedom, especially at first, is hard to live with. It requires patience, engagement, forgiveness, wisdom, maturity. It requires a willingness to sit with paradox and to step out onto an uncharted path. The Galatians may have felt this is too chaotic. I don't know what to think or who to talk to or how to even speak about all of this new stuff that's happening to me and to the people around me. And so they went back to the judgments and the rules and the lines. In the letter to the Galatians, Paul is calling all of these new Christians back into the dynamic peace of God, where confidence and assurance of faith are found, and that faith is strengthened and bolstered by a dynamic engagement with freedom and inclusivity. Paul is calling these new Christians and us today to a recognition that only God has the whole truth, capital T, and it is our job and our blessing as a community of faith to seek that truth together humbly, acknowledging that as humans we all have a piece of the truth and we all hold a piece of the untruth as well. Maybe what bothers me most about our denominational mission statement it is that it purports to have the truth, the key to world transformation that others don't have, that others aren't acceptable until they become like us. But what if we reverse our denominational mission statement? What if instead of to make disciples for Jesus Christ, for the transformation of the world, the statement read instead, to be transformed by the world and become a disciple of Jesus Christ. To be transformed by the world and become a disciple of Jesus Christ. In fact, this reversed rendering of the mission statement finds corroboration in Paul's own letters in Romans 12.2, where we read, Do not be conformed by the world, but be transformed by the world for the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and discern what God's will is. What if instead of needing to be right and get others to join our team, which can feel toxic in its zeal and insistence, we realize that God is revealing God's self to us constantly and it is our job to be amazed, to receive that blessing and point others to that same blessing. What if instead of converting the whole world, we sought to bless the whole world through our respect our honoring, our invitation, and our love. Our job isn't so much to convert as it is to be converted over and over again. This Lenten season, our theme in worship and in several of our small groups is wisdom for an anxious world. We'll source this wisdom from our scriptures and our traditions, rediscovering ancient antidotes to a state of being that is not unique to us in 2020. Anxiety comes from needing to be right, from insisting that others be like us, in holding rigidly to our habits and defending that hold by naming it sacred. We lose the grip of anxiety by realizing the sacred is already around us, that Jesus came to us as one of us to make that point. In each person there is God, whether they are a disciple of Jesus Christ or not. Paul and Christ call us to be transformed by the beauty and the miracle of this world and to have the courage to live in the freedom God gives us through our regular and humble engagement with each other as members of the body of Christ. As we share in Holy Communion this morning, may we accept the freedom and power God gives us to go together into unknown territory as we seek ever to be the ongoing body of Christ on earth, pointing to a reality of love and miracle beyond our understanding or containing, but real nonetheless. There may our anxieties find solid ground. Amen. Listening to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Brian Adkins, associate pastor here. We'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. If you are here in Berkeley, Epworth's worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 1953 Hopkins Street, at the corner of Napa and Hopkins. And I'm Senior Pastor Kristen Stone King. If you connect to our podcast from further away, we would invite you to visit our website epworthberkeley.org. We'd invite you to keep seeking to grow in faith and to stop by the next time you're in Berkeley.